Whether you are thinking about becoming a restaurateur or you are already in the business, Michael Politz has written a must-read, The Food and Beverage Magazine's Guide to Restaurant Success. Pick up your copy today at Barnes & Noble, Amazon, Books A Million, or wherever fine books are sold. Food and Beverage Magazine Live, bringing food and beverage to life with your hosts, James Beard Award winner Jennifer English and Food and Beverage Magazine publisher Michael Politz. Featuring leaders in the hospitality, branded food and beverage, and CPG industries, many of whom are Jennifer and Michael's friends in the business. For an informal and informative conversation where friends in the business share the latest intel, ideas, and best practices. Live, juicy inside scoop from the tastemakers, newsmakers, bread bakers, drink shakers, spoon lickers, clam diggers, farms, foodies, and friends of the food and beverage magazine world. Here are your hosts, Jennifer English and Michael Politz. Well, good morning and welcome. I'm Jennifer English. I'm the editor-at-large of Food and Beverage Magazine, and I am super excited to take you on a little trip today to a place that's actually very personal and important to me, New Hampshire. There's a company called From Gracie's Table, whose products are handmade, homemade, and actually exhibit one of the best and most important things to know, remember, and actually use in any kind of baking, cooking, or eating that we do. And that's love. Love is a secret ingredient that makes anything and everything taste better. And how do you get it in your food? Uh, what is the conduit through which it happens? Is it that very special wooden spoon that you got? I happen to think that wooden spoons and anything we cook with is a magic wand that puts our heart and soul into whatever it is that we make. And so when we find somebody who's bringing that to life, well, we're very excited to share it. New Hampshire. Why is that so important? Well, I actually went to the University of New Hampshire. I'm a lady wildcat. In fact, I played soccer where I was lady wildcat number seven. So any chance I have to talk to anybody who's not only in New Hampshire, but is making a company and making things that have the spirit of that place in it. Well, I love that. So today we're going to talk to uh, Christiana Lehman, who is the owner of From Gracie's Table. The story is a poignant one. The things that she makes are delicious and they are clean and they're filled with love. And I love the idea that we can get you connected with someone who's doing this and that you'll be able to taste it for yourself. Christiana, welcome. How are you? I'm great, Jen. How are you? Listen, I love your pie and it's not photogenic anymore. And I want to get right down to the, you may make one of the best pie crusts I've ever had. And I say that as someone who was a judge in the national pie championships Oh, in wow. Celebration, Florida. We couldn't find a good crust, and then the winner presented itself. This is a really great pie. Tell me the story of the pie crust, because I have to start there, because it's it's one of the simplest things to do, and it's also one of the hardest. And I suspect that in the story of your pie crust, we're going to learn a lot more about why it is and what it is you do at From Gracie's Table. So... It actually was my grandmother's recipe um, from my mother's side, my nanny. Um, she and my mother used to cook um, from scratch all the time, coming from Italy. 
Um, so I just kind of grew up learning how to make things from scratch. Honestly, the hardest thing about starting my business was coming up with recipes because I usually just cook, you know, a little of this, a little of that. And that's just how I grew up with my mom. And um, that's she actually inspired me to start this whole line. That's why it's called From Gracie's Table. She was um, called Gracie. Her nickname was Gracie. She passed away in 2010, but she loved to cook. And she always wanted, it was always her dream to open a cafe or something like that. So I started small, but hopefully one day we'll be able to get to what she was dreaming about and uh, open something like that. So, um, but the pie crust, to be honest, I'm not really sure what, what the story is about behind the pie crust, but um, I just, just something I came up with and, and I grew up um, learning how to do that from my mom and my grandmother. And I just, I threw a little um, twist in there, adding an extra sweetness with the sugar on top. I don't think that was ever um, on there before that I can remember. Talk about the way something as simple and humble as a pie represents the intention of the line and, and why you got started in making what was in fact, maybe a dream of your mom's, something that you're sharing now as a business that you're growing and I have to say succeeding at these, these things that you make, these products are delicious oh, because you can you. really taste how clean they are and how filled with your intention and the love, but they're really good and clean and bright. Talk about, about how you translate that, that sort of dream of making this a business because it's not easy. Talk yeah. about how you translated that into actually doing this. Um, so one good thing that came out of this whole pandemic was from Gracie's table. And uh, I am a physical therapist assistant by trade. And with the pandemic hitting, a lot of us were um, furloughed because we didn't have patients to work on because people weren't coming in. We weren't having elective surgeries. Um, so I was furloughed for a couple months. And, you know, like everybody in this pandemic, it's it starts you thinking, well, what, you know, what happens if this is our reality? What happens if I can't be a physical therapist anymore? Um, I had two young kids and I was always brought up, you know, to, to be strong and um, independent and um, financially as well. So, you know, you want to work hard for your things. And I didn't, I wasn't comfortable with just skating by with, you know, my working on my, working off my husband, not that that's a bad thing, but, I just had this inner drive to figure out how else I could come up with something. And I actually got um, the thought from my neighbor. Um, we had moved to this new house in 2020 in April when the world was shutting down. And I met a neighbor who um, makes cakes out of her house. And I was like, oh, my God, that must be so awesome. I would love to do that because I have two small kids. And, you know, with the pandemic, if they sneezed, you had to go get them. So that doesn't work well with a physical therapist schedule. So I was like, oh, I would really love to figure out how I can do something out of my house. And with all the rules and regulations, it was hard to figure out what else you could do. Um, but I figured that I could do rub, dry rubs and the pies um, as long as they were the okayed pie. And luckily my apple was. And so that's where I kind of started with things that I knew that I made differently than other people. Right. Um, so that's where it came up. And like I said before, the hardest part for me was putting recipes down for my rubs, especially because I do a little of this, a little of that, and I had to taste test a lot to make sure that it was 
what I remember it tasting like, um, but actually write down the amounts of the ingredients that I put into it. Um, but yeah, the pies were definitely one of the first things on my list. Um, and that's always been a family favorite. Every holiday, people would ask me to bring the pies. Um, so I would, you know, apple is my, definitely my strong suit. And then I tried to make a crisp with that. So I also make a crisp as well, apple crisp and peach crisp in the summer. Yeah. I also have talk a little bit about your flavor philosophy, because when you say, what is it that you do? That's a little bit different, you know, in this time when a lot of restaurants closed and people in the hospitality industry lost their gig yeah, and they love food and they want to be fluent in food and they want to live their food life. You're inspiring. And I want people to understand that when you have a, a food or a flavor point of view, that you can really taste and you absolutely taste it in every single one of your products. They're very impressive. We'll talk about the marinades and the rubs. You came up with like an entire line. I mean, this is super impressive. It's not like you just said, I'm going to make pies or I'm going to make these incredible spice nuts. Or I, I have to tell you, I mean, look at the different choices and the rubs, these granolas, these granola bars are so delicious and they taste really homemade. Yeah. I make them right front, right in my, my kitchen. I yeah. love how homemade these taste. Yeah. And I, the peanut butter um, is it's called peanut butter granola. It's got a little almond butter in it too. So it's got richness, really beautiful flavor. And I want to talk about these nuts that you sent us to try. These yeah. are crazy addictively good. I know. And I'm we have trying to that come in that want to have warning labels on them. We joke because we have we have them in our store as free samples because we like to give people a chance of trying things before they buy them. So we have the free samples of granola bars and the cans. And as soon as you try them, they go right over to the shelf and go, Where, where do you sell these? Yeah. So, well, I wanna I wanna hold one up for people. This it has this amazing spiced coating and it speaks to your rubs and it speaks to your philosophy. This is not like a gentle flavor. This is a wonderful, bright flavor. I wore a bright shirt today because I love the brightness in everything that you make. Well, thank you. And I, and I wanted to be reminded that that's a quality that seems to be part of your, if I, if I could describe it as your brand, you've got yes. a very bright brand is brightness in everything. Can you talk a little bit about that? Is that intentional? I mean, I assume it has to be on some level. Um, I Believe it or not, I really don't have a culinary background. This is just all things that I've learned and put together just like, hmm, I bet this would taste good with that. And this would taste good with that. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know where it comes from. I'm assuming it's inherited. Um, but it just, I, to go with the rubs, I try to, I tried to hit every, kind of level if you will um mm -hmm. so i had the spicy so the buffalo which is like a classic twist on a buffalo which is the spicy one then i have a sweet and smoking which is you know in my best description barbecue sauce but in a powdered form yep. um got a little kick a little salty um and then i did the lemon garlic which is you know more mild so if people don't like spice they still can they still can find something they like in my store um, the newest thing, which I didn't send to you, unfortunately, was um, I came up with a Cajun rub, which my husband loves on his salmon. 
um, that hasn't made it to the sampler pack yet, but that is available in the larger cases. Um, but also just another thing that I was like, well, people, you know, what's, what's the different spices that I've tried when I go to different restaurants and how can I replicate them, but not copy them. So those are, you know, kind of what runs through my head when I come up with a different flavor and the marinade's the same thing. It was, you know, you want to have a spicy, you want to have a mild, you want to have, mm -hmm. make sure it's flavorful. Um, I went a little bit with a sweet and spicy with the balsamic, um, and trying to think of the meats in mind too. So I try to be very versatile with everything. And that's one of the big questions that people will ask when they come in the store and they'll look at our products and be like, well, what, what would you put this on? And honestly, my answer is anything. Um, because they're so versatile. It just depends on what you feel like having that day. Do you feel like having steak? Okay. It, it can go on anything. It really can. Um, I, I want to have you talk a little bit about the secret of making this successful because there are people who are pivoting right now away from a traditional culinary job in the food industry and in the hospitality industry. It sounds like something we can imagine doing and it sounds like, oh, I've got a couple of great family recipes. I want to turn this into a business. It's hard for people to imagine how to do this. Yes. It sounds doable until you actually start to say, okay, I'm going to do this. Now you sit down at the table. I'm in the kitchen. I'm like, where do I go next? Yeah. Talk about how, because you've done this in a relatively short amount of time. I mean, this isn't something you've been doing for 20 years. Right. Talk about how it's doable. How was this doable and how can someone who's in this business do it? So honestly, I couldn't have done it without my, my dad or my family supporting me. Um, my dad, when we first started, it literally was just an idea. Like you just said, like an idea of family recipes. How can we, how can we expand this and how can we go forward? Um, I used Facebook a lot, but what my dad did was we put together a bag of, my products and he would go to the farm stands that are local to our area and he would say this my daughter's trying to start her business um these are what she sells would you be interested in selling them here same thing with the pies we would bring pies around um, and see if their local farm stands would want to sell the pies and that's really how we got our tr our first set of traction um, was through the farm stands but then while he was doing that i was doing the facebook side of it so i would post um, you know, in different groups, um, I would post on marketplace. I would say, yeah. you know, these are try come try these new flavors. This is my new, you know, business that I'm starting, um, and so forth. And so he, I hit that, that advertising Avenue and he went and hit the ground boots running. So, um, I couldn't have done it with him without him, to be honest. Um, but how do, how do you go from making this for your kids and your family and you're obviously happy, well-fed family. How do you go from, I love that your dog's there. Do you cook for your dog too? No. <laughs> My no. friend Linda West Eckhart wrote a book uh, called The Dog Ate It, Cooking for You and Your Four-Legged Friends. Yeah. And uh, you should check that out. Um, enough, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> How did you go from making this for your family, for your kids? Uh, to it actually being something that your dad could take around and how difficult a process was it? I don't need the whole step-by-step, -step, but I'm trying to get the idea from you to give to people about how anybody in the food business that wants to stay in the business somehow when the restaurants are not necessarily opening back up, 
uh, lots of ghost kitchens, lots of other things are taking place. There's new opportunity in food. Mm -hmm. You're the kind of person who's representing that. How do we get from the idea stage to the, I make this really delicious thing stage? <laughs> um, so first I, I would say, write everything down. Um, start small. So even though you have a ton of, a ton of ideas, a ton of recipes, start small, try to figure out, you know, a few things and go from there, make those successful. Then you have to figure out, you know, okay, I have the few things I want to focus on. Now, how do I package them? Um, and then you have to check your, you know, the local um, guidelines to see what you need on labels. Um, make sure they're safe for people. Um, that's that's kind of where I went through. So first I wrote everything down. I was like, all right, I'm going to start. I started with two marinades and two dry rubs. And then I figured out what it took for me to package those. Right. I had to figure out, you know, pricing those. Um, I what would you know go around the supermarket and see what people are buying off the shelf because if i price something at ten dollars but they can go to the supermarket and get it for three they're probably not going to buy my product so you have to be careful with your price point you have to you know make sure you're buying um the supplies you know uh, enough to make a profit which is a big thing that i learned from my husband um so i i had a lot of help in a lot of input from everybody around me to figure out how to make it successful. As a, as a food entrepreneur, were there any groups or resources that you found that were essential? Are there food entrepreneur groups? Did you join farmers markets, cooperatives? Are there places that you found that might exist in other states or similar kinds of organizations that you, you found were essential? Um, honestly, Facebook, it has been my main avenue for everything. Wow. Um, it's, it's free, um, you know, and, and as a starting company, free is good. And people that don't know New Englanders as New Englanders, we love free. Yes. We, you know, we love, we love but, things. <laughs> we love bargains. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, you know, I tried to go to farmer's markets, um, but again, this happened in a pandemic. So right. we weren't having those things. Right. Um, so those were some of the hurdles that I definitely encountered was because everything was, you know, the world was shut down as I, I'm sure I don't have to mention that, but it made getting things out there a lot harder um, because we didn't have things like local farmers markets. You know, we just, it basically was solely online. So everything about getting my brand out there, apart from my dad going around, um, rested on me and, and joining Facebook groups. So I joined, you know, all of the local town Facebook groups around me. Um, I joined some like restaurant Facebook groups. Um, I tried um, contacting all like a bunch of the local restaurants around town. Um, I, you know, I just went crazy on Facebook, I guess, if you will. Um, and I don't mean to talk over you, but I have to say that's so exciting because Food and Beverage Magazine has over 14 million readers every single month. Almost every single one of us is in the food business. We're in the hospitality industry. We're in the restaurant business. You are a beautiful cottage business. Thank you. In New Hampshire, in Brookline, New Hampshire, no less. Mm -hmm. and, and yet here we are having a national discussion on a very big stage introducing your products to a very big audience. 
because you are such a great example of where the future of food is going. People everywhere, if you make something delicious and you dream of sharing it with a big audience, there are ways to get there. Mm-hmm. It's about it's about listening to Christiana's advice about doing one thing really well and then doing a couple more things and expanding that idea and that thesis. Now, you happen to have a, a retail shop. You have a place that you do this. Not everybody needs to go and get an expensive rent and do all the rest of that. Talk about why that was important for you. Why brick and mortar? Why did you open a shop? When you have Facebook, when you have the internet, when you have what's coming, the metaverse, uh, Mm -hmm. the world is waiting for your things. Why did you go to the trouble in a small-ish town uh, of going and creating an actual place? Well, before I answer that, I just, I forgot to mention um, Matt's Meals was a big um, broadcaster of ours as well. And I think that's how you found us. Uh, Matt Robinson had wrote an article on us. And um, so I want to thank him. Uh, I don't want to forget. But to answer your question, um, I started to run into things where the Facebook buzz kind of died down Mm -hmm. and if I really wanted to keep this going, you need to always think, you need to always think ahead. You need to think, okay, what's next? What can I do that will help bring these people in? What can I do that'll help bring um, more business, more business, um, get it in front of more eyes. And with food, people want to see, touch, um, taste um, before they buy things. And I think that had towards the, towards the end of, I guess we're still in the pandemic, but towards the seri- the end of the seriousness of the pandemic, um, I would start to get people saying that, like, oh, you know, I people would email me or message me on Facebook and be like, oh, we're really interested in trying your rubs, but we'd like to try them before, you know, we purchase them. And, you know, although I like free stuff, giving free stuff out is a little bit harder as it's trying to get a business owner going, uh, business going. So... I did my best and I did send some free samples around to people that would ask. Um, but you know, at the end of the day, you can't be giving everything for free or you won't make a profit. Um, but so that's where my dad and I were just came up with the idea of trying to figure out how to get a brick and mortar store going. And the beauty of our store is that in thinking of our next steps, I was also thinking of, I can't be the only one that's come up with some sort of passion or, done something in this pandemic. Um, so I got the idea to turn it into a vendor, a local vendor store as well. So I'm from Gracie's table is actually a vendor in my own store. So I have, um, you know, local candle makers, I have local bread, I have fresh eggs, um, handmade bags, uh, wood burning items, I have so much stuff that it's just, it's blown up into this amazing vendor store. Um, I, I honestly, I go in, I walk in every day and I'm like, how did I do this? Um, but it's there and, and, uh, it definitely has helped a lot. Um, because in, in Brookline, it's a small town. So if we need anything, you have to go pretty far to get things. So my desire was to make a store that they could get not only little gift things for the holidays, but also everyday things like bread, pastries, coffee, um, pies, rubs, you know, uh, so that's 
and I'm always thinking, I'm always coming up with new things. And I think that just keeps people coming back. Um, Let's paint a picture of where you are in Brookline, New Hampshire is in the northeastern part of the country. It's got 15 miles of coastline, one of the smallest coastlines in the country. And then it's a tall, long, skinny state wedged between Maine and Vermont. On the southern border, we have Massachusetts. Where is Brookline in that tall, skinny rectangle of a state? So we are right on the border of um, towns in Massachusetts. So we don't only get New Hampshire people, but we get Massachusetts people. I'm actually born and raised in Groton, Massachusetts, which is only 10 minutes from my current home in Brookline. Um, so I have, you know, relatives still in, in Massachusetts. So they like to, you know, they'll come up and show their support. And um, we're, it's a, it's nice to be a bordering city uh, because you don't only get, you know, business from your state, but also from another state. So it's, it's nice that we're so close. Um, and I think our location is, is right on a busy road that goes through both states. And I think that helps a lot. The visibility is key yeah. for sure. And of course, this is one of the best apple areas in the country. Some of the greatest apples come from this little microclimate and pocket of apple nirvana. And it is no surprise that your pies are as delicious as they are. Before we say goodbye and thank you for making time to be with us, what can you say to inspire uh, entrepreneurs, budding entrepreneurs, foodies that have this dream? What was it that you found in the success of this that was the bigger dream? How can you help us get there or at least think more seriously about giving life to the dream? I would just say, you know, put your head down and, and go for it. If it's something that you really, really want to do, think about the benefits of succeeding. So for me, it was being able to control my schedule, being able to um, get my um, gifts, I guess, if you will, to out to other people. So the part of physical therapy that I really enjoyed was being able to um, help people and I think this is just a different way of helping people. It's helping their taste buds. Um, and, you know, that just helps me think of this is all worth it because I get to, at the end of the day, I get to be home with my, my kids and I don't have to worry, you know, pick between work and home life. But I think you never know until you do it. So if this has always been a dream of yours, there's no better time than the present. And you just, you just got to, jump in with both feet. You know, the worst thing that's going to happen is, you know, it doesn't work out, but you don't know until you try. How many products do you have from Gracie's table now? Um, so we have four, four rubs, three marinades, um, four different kinds of granola bars. We have candied pecans. Um, we have um, apple pies, apple crisps, chocolate truffle pie, um, every holiday I try to do a different recipe on something. Um, so for St. Patrick's day today, we had St. Patrick's day pie, which is, um, a chocolate truffle pie, but just with a layer of peppermint patties. So it's like a minty chocolate. Oh yeah. Um, what else do we have? I'm sure I'm forgetting something. Um, well, I mean, if you haven't talked to our friend, Kathy Gunst from here and now, um, on WBUR and NPR 
Um, she's going to love what you do. Um, and we'll make sure that we tag her. But I want to say, where can people find you online? Make it easy for everybody to discover you the way we have. Yeah, so you can find um, our website at fromgraciestable.com. Um, you can order from there. Um, or you can find me on Facebook, um, From Gracie's Table or Brookline's Finest. Either one, you'll find me. Um, you can email me anytime, Facebook message. Um, I try to be very um, responsive to all of that. Um, but you can definitely order online at our website and we ship. Well, thank you so much for making time to be here with us, for sending us these goodies and for giving me a little taste of home. But for everybody showing us how this food dream can become a reality. There is an incredible opportunity right now. The world is hungry for what you make. And the mechanism exists with technology to be able to get it anywhere. Now really is the best time to be in the food business. And I hope this is an inspiration for anybody and everybody out there to literally take what it is that you make and do that you make with love and share it with the biggest audience you can find, because that's what it's all about. Not only being in service, but cooking for the people we care about. You do this incredibly well, Christiana Lemon. Thank you so thank much. You. Thank you for having me. Whether you are thinking about becoming a restaurateur or you are already in the business, Michael Politz has written a must-read, The Food and Beverage Magazine's Guide to Restaurant Success. Pick up your copy today at Barnes & Noble, Amazon, Books A Million, or wherever fine books are sold.